Man, uh, uh, it's good to have you here this morning. Good group of you this morning. Those of you online, welcome with us. We're going to have a great time this morning. It's kind of a fun message this morning. I'm going to be talking about three things that really affect men. And you can see uh, from, from your questionnaires what those three things are. But uh, uh, it's very important that you be here because consistency is one of those things. And our consistency and our growth in Jesus Christ is the most important thing we'll do in this life. And so I can just, I, I can just boil it all out right there. Consistency in Jesus Christ, the pursuit of Christ in our life is the most important thing we'll ever do with our life. That's it. Has everybody ready to go home? Everybody ready to get a donut? Donuts are out. Andrew, got to bring another box next week. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this your time, for these your men. Father, as we grow up, Father, send us forth to be men of God for the purpose of God, Lord. And Father, remind us that uh, we're to be committed men to you and to you alone in our lives, that we would not settle, but Father, we would be men who pursue you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, you know that we never just arrive in Christ. You don't just arrive, get somewhere, and it's good, all right? Uh, uh, we, we have a, a saying out there, once saved, always saved. We've got some little cliches that, that we like to throw around. And what that does many times is stops our pursuit because we say, I got the insurance. I don't need to pursue anymore. I don't need to be committed anymore. I don't need to be connected anymore. And that's a dangerous place to be. And so, men, as we get started today, the, the overall big idea is committed people steward life well. They do not settle. Committed men do not settle in life. In James chapter 5, verse 11, James says this, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. So he starts right there. He said, we count as blessed, and you're welcome to go there in your Bibles. That's where we're going to be today, James chapter 5. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. If you persevere, you stay connected. You stay committed. That's what perseverance is. All right, you have brought or you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And I love that part. The Lord is. He doesn't say the Lord has these attributes. James says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, if you know anything about James, James was a very committed man. When you look at how the apostles died, now James, he's known as James the Less here. He's, he's the lesser. He's not Jesus. He's the brother of Jesus. He's known as Camel Need James because uh, James spent so much time on his knees in prayer that they said his knees look like camel knees. James was thrown from the temple and, and martyred for his faith in his brother, Jesus. And despite the Hellenistic Jews, the uh, Gentiles, and all the persecutions that they had witnessed and they had seen, James brings up to them, hey, but remember Job. This goes way, 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 way back to men who are committed to God. The council, the council at this time that James wrote this, they continued to send people out into the world to spread the gospel. James was known as a bishop, the bishop of the church in that area, and he understood the importance of perseverance. People will never persevere. Men will never persevere if they are not committed. And that's the bottom line today. James mentions Job, and we all know Job was, was not only committed, but he had to persevere through the loss of everything. In Job chapter 5, verse 8, it says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause. I love that. Job says, As for me, I would seek God, and I would commit my cause to God. To Christ alone is how he would say it today. 
Job 19, 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. That scripture has always jumped out to me since uh, I started dating Allison years ago. Um, Allison's grandfather was in the VA hospital here, and I was working at the VA hospital. Allison and I, had we really had not started dating yet. But um, we knew of one another, and you know how the talk gets around. But but the the stuff haven't has hadn't happened yet. And her grandfather passed away. Well, I had worked over there in physical therapy at the VA, knew of him, didn't necessarily knew him. But I went to the funeral. When I went to the funeral, um, Allison, her dad, and her aunt all got up and sung a song. Do you know what that song was? My Redeemer lives. And I heard him sing that song, and I thought, man, I've seen that in the Bible somewhere. Well, that's what Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. One of the things that I would learn through that funeral service, that memorial service, is this grandfather and his commitment to Jesus, how he wrote athletes all throughout Amarillo, high school athletes. He would tell them, I'm watching you. You're doing good. You're striving on for the greater purpose. Hey, make sure that you know your Redeemer lives. You know, those who are committed to the greater cause never settle. Men who are always committed to the greater cause, they're not men who settle. It's never good enough. You know, it's a little bit difficult for me because I came home Sunday after a transition team meeting and Allison was uh, there in the kitchen and and uh, I don't know who made me the plate of tacos, but thank you. Oh, it was Carrie. Yes, I do know. I was told last night. Carrie, Carrie's not here. Carrie, if you're online this morning, thank you. Those tacos were awesome. And so I unpack my tacos. I get ready to eat. And Alice and I start visiting. And I said, babe, I just love our new facility. It is so good. It, it's, it's cold. We can just drop air out of that place. And I'm hot all the time. And now I'm cold. And I'm like, this is wonderful. And I said, all the commitment, all the time, all the, all the people who push through, Bobby pushing through, everybody pushing through just to get us over here. And I said, I love the foyer, the transition between both services and all the people in the foyer and all the life and all the echoing, even though we need to put up some soundboards, okay? It's still, it's awesome. And I said, I'm just having so much fun. And I said, but we can't settle. We can't settle. This isn't the end, it's the beginning. See, the last thing you want to do is settle for less than what God's intention is for us in this life. It's not about buildings, but it is about making disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, we can't settle. It's not over. It's just begun. When I think about about men and I think about men in my life, the ones that impress me most, they're the ones who persevere because they're so committed to the task at hand. When you look in Scripture, you know that Abraham had a destination. We're going to talk about him in just a moment. Joseph had a destination. Moses had a destination. David had Bethlehem, Agilom, Hebron, and Zion. He had destinations in front of him. Jesus had a destination. It wasn't just the cross. It was beyond the cross. It was the ascension of Christ to defeat death. Paul had a destination, and Paul was warned about his destination. Paul had a lot of great ministries ahead and before him through four journeys, did miraculous things, men. But the thing about Paul that made him different is he knew that he was called to Rome, and Rome would cost him his life. You see, people who settle, men who settle, no longer have a mission. We lose our vision, and when we lose our vision, we begin to settle. 
we begin to leave things the way they are. And as we get older, let's be honest, man, it's a little easier to settle. I like to get home. I got home last night from a tennis match, and uh, when I got home, I, I sat down and started going over my message and, and had my computer in my lap. I'm reading over, over all of this stuff, and I'm sitting there um, thinking, uh, the football game's on. I need to turn the football game on. And Allison's like, we need to sweep the garage. And I'm like, yeah, but it's 8 o'clock, and I go to bed in 30 minutes. I mean, come on now. Right? We kind of lose our vision. We lose our thought. We lose, um, 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 we begin to settle. We begin to get comfortable. And it's easy to get comfortable. In Genesis chapter 13, you see the story of Abram and Lot. It begins to, they begin to separate because they had outgrown their space. And the problem is actually found in Genesis chapter 11. And it's this generation to commit where they're supposed to go instead of committing to where they're supposed to go. And they thought they were committed where they were supposed to go. They came across a beautiful area. Things became comfortable. It was a mountainous area. It was a beautiful, rocky, along with grassy knolls. And they could they could um, feed their cattle. They could feed their livestock there. And they said, you know what? This is good enough for me in this time that I have. But they were called to go further. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Terah took his son Abram. Now, don't let these names lose you. If I mention Abraham, you know who Abraham is. If I mention Sarah, you know who Sarah is. Abram is before his name is changed to Abraham. This is Terah is his father. There's nothing here unusual. Just don't get lost in the names. It's easy to do. So Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, where were they going? Canaan. Come on, men. All right, let's get some more donuts and coffee. Let's take a break. All right, this is easy. We're talking about the promised land. The promised land is where? It's Canaan. That's, that's always the goal. We got to get over to Canaan. We got to make Canaan. Canaan's been promised to us. Pro Canaan has giants in it, but we know the story, right? I mean, you have a Caleb show up and it makes a difference. These things make a difference. This is the beginning of the story. What happens? They weren't concerned about the next generation. They weren't concerned about what they were going to hand off. They got to a place and said, Hey, this will hold us for a good while. It's comfortable. It's nice. It's, it's all those things. But that's not where they were called to go. They were supposed to go into the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, generally speaking, let's be honest. We settle for less than the promised land. We get comfortable. We lose our commitment. Our tendency, men, is to settle. When you look back and you go into the earliest stories in Scripture, you look at Genesis 1 and especially Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, we start seeing sin unfold. And what was the sin of Adam? Complacency. You see, these names, as we look at this story, I want you to see on your uh, um, questionnaires, there's some names there, and each name stands for something, and it helps us unpack this story a little bit more. Look at this. Terah is Abraham's father. It means duration. It also means wandering. It means no destination. So here is Terah, Abram's father, and he's just traveling along. He really doesn't have a destination in mind. 
And then you have Haran. This is where they settled. It means mountainous. It means rest. It means a place of the dead. I don't know if I would have wanted to stay there as a place of the dead, but when you read that in Scripture, the place of the dead is a burial spot. And burial spots were known to be in mountainous regions because they had caves, and usually the wealthy would own the caves where people would be buried. So it's it's not a, a scary place because it's a place of the dead. But the root word from Haran means flabby, to be idle, to come to an end. Abram and his family settled short of the promised land. We many times stop before we get where we're supposed to go. We settle for less. And this can be personal, personally, it can be corporately, because um, we never take time to put down Roots, or if we do put down roots, sometimes we put down roots before our destination is met in this life. And honestly, the allurement of settling there is more appealing than going on. They lost their vision. They lost their mission. And eventually, the next generation had to pick it up. And that didn't go well either. So when we no longer have vision, we lose our commitment and we'll settle for less than God's best. So, men, let me stop for just a moment. What are you committed to in this life? We just need to slow down for a minute and ask ourselves a handful of questions. What are we committed to in this life? What do we want our destination to be? What has God spoken in our life for our destination to be? Most of the time, when God gives us a vision He gives us people in our lives to accomplish that vision. Do you know why? Because they have the same vision. Years ago, when I was asked to be a part of Harvest Christian Fellowship, I originally said no, and then I said no again, and then I said no a third time. And and they had sent Chris by at lunch uh, on Wednesdays. Every day at lunch on Wednesdays, we would go and eat. And usually Chris would buy, and he would. I would ask him questions, and I'd ask him theology, and I would ask him all these things. And he was a well-studied young man at the time. I was a young man at the time. And so we would go over all these theological questions and other things, and and I kept saying no, and I kept saying no, and I kept saying no, and Pastor Paul and I met a handful of times, and one particular time, Pastor Paul said, well, I had a vision, and the vision was I-27, and I-27 was an artery, and I-27 fed all the small populations all the way from Amarillo to Lubbock, and I was like, I had that vision. Hmm, maybe we need to talk. And so when we start talking about a destination and what that looks like through our prayer life, through our journaling life, God begins to reveal, and he doesn't just reveal it to one, he'll reveal it to us as men of God. What's next in order to make disciples, in order to care for the next generation? Now, when I ask the question, what are we committed to? I hope those of you who are married are committed to your wife because the next generation starts there. So we commit to our wives, we commit to our church, we commit to our jobs, we commit sometimes to the school systems in order for us to be a change agent among the communities that we serve. Now, if I ask you about your commitment level, would you ever be convicted for being a committed disciple of Christ? Would you ever be convicted in the way you live your life to be a committed disciple of Jesus Christ? Then I have to ask this question, what would the charges be? What would the charges be? You see, I, I, uh, I told you here a while back, man, I've been watching primetime. All right, motivates me. Now, you may not like primetime. As a matter of fact, I mentioned to him to an old coach the other day, and the old coach said, 
man, you, are, you have lost your mind. That guy was nothing but a show off. He was nothing about himself. He was nothing about wearing jewelry. I mean, just all the stuff, and he was trying to change the game, and he went off on me, all right? And the coach is 88 years old, so he, I, I didn't argue. Okay, that's good. That's all good. That's prime time. He's showy. He's all those things. But what I love about him is he, he just basically says, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what the team's going to do. And he doesn't veer off that. And he said, this is my call. It may not be your call, but this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. This is what this is. And I, and I watched him preach a sermon. I didn't even know he preached. And I pulled it up and I saw a little deal that said he preached at some church. And I watched him. Now, I will say he had, if you've seen it, he had the man. <laughs> he was decked out. I wouldn't wear that if I was preaching, but I'm just saying. I don't even know why I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you something. He'll be convicted for being a coach. And he'll be, a, he'll be convicted for loving his players. I don't know about Jesus. And this is where our conviction ought to be. This is where the charges ought to be. That man of God loves his Lord. And if you're going to bring about charges, it's going to have to be against him. And if it's against him, it's against his Lord. Because he's committed. He's going somewhere. So what do we do about this? Well, the first thing I would say is look to be a man of prayer. You can never substitute communication with God. Now, it's interesting to me because Abraham had been told. He knows about the promised land. His dad knows about the promised land. They know that they're not just called to be nomads forever necessarily, but there is a place, there is a destination. But they lost their vision and mission because somewhere in this they lost their communication with their God. God doesn't stop speaking, men. What happens many times is we quit listening. This is good enough for me. I've arrived. I'm good. I've read the Bible 12 times in my lifetime. I know the scriptures well. I'm settled. Men who are committed never settle. It's just never good enough. It's never far enough. It's never deep enough. There's a water that there's water that Jesus speaks about to the woman at the well that has a depth to it that continues to spring forth life. And the more we place ourselves in that living water, the deeper we grow and we go. It never ends. God hears our prayer. He knows our communication. The scripture tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. Because he creates those desires in our heart. James 5.13, James says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If you're sick, call the elders and let them anoint you with oil and pray over you. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James reminds us oftentimes that we don't have because we don't ask. Or if we ask, we ask with the wrong motives. Ask God how to pray. Ask God where to serve. Ask God how to give. Ask God to use your gifts according to his plan, his purpose, his kingdom come, his will be done. If you don't know what you're shooting at, men, you're bound to hit it. This is the way it works in life. So what if parents are inconsistent with children? You know, we read the scriptures and we say this all the time, and yet... The church fathers said, and yet the church fathers did, and yet the church fathers acted upon. We say these things all the time. Where are the church fathers today? Because there are a lot of children in this church as well as 
other churches that need a church father. We need to be spiritually mature as men in order to speak into the lives of the families that are raising up the next generation who are going to care for what we give to them. And that takes commitment because there's no doubt that parents who are inconsistent with children, these children grow up and they ask questions about the commitment of their parents. Usually they're lost, usually they're undisciplined, usually they don't have direction themselves. The third and final point this morning, men, and I'm trying to watch Clyde, I forgot to bring my phone. What pastor forgets his phone? Y'all need to pray for me. That's, let's just stop. You see, actually, it's kind of nice, but I'm watching that clock back there, so let's keep moving. The last, watch your pace. There's no doubt at times we can outpace our God. I didn't see this happen with James. I sure didn't see it happen with Job. Job was very, very patient. The patience of Job is something we, that's a cliche that we throw around. But I've seen it in me. I've had an accountability tell me that I run 10 yards ahead of God and ask him where he went. We've got to watch our pace, but we've got to maintain our pace. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep growing. I don't know what happened to Tara. They may not have paced themselves. Maybe they went too fast. Maybe they just wanted to hold up and rest and then decided they would stay. But when you look up the land of Haran, you find out it's known to be mountainous and peaceful. And you know we're pretty peaceful here. The dust is starting to settle. One of the things I told Allison, I said, as I'm watching the dust settle, I'm trying to journal what I see. And a lot of things I'm loving right now, a lot of things I'm looking at right now, a lot of excitement built up in me, and I hope you men can hear this. A lot of people staying on task, a lot of vision being given. We need more help. I met with two people yesterday just to simply say, hey, guys, we need more help. We need you seeing things in these areas. Don't become complacent. But by no means do I think this is the destination in my life nor in your lives. I want to leave the next generation with so much more. I want us to provide chairs for the lost. The world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we cannot become complacent or impatient. And we have to take time to hear and communicate with the Lord. James 5, 7 states, Be patient, this is James speaking, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You know, as our culture gets faster and faster, it becomes unsustainable and it becomes more volatile. Men, the faster an object goes, the more volatile it becomes. That's physics. I'll say it again. The faster an object goes, the more volatile it becomes. Some years ago, I bought a really, really nice rifle, man. It was a Browning X-Bolt, if you know what an X-Bolt is. Uh, wood grain, fancy grain, 223 WSM. I was like, that is the caliber. Now, 223 is a nice caliber, but you put WSM on it, and what happens? You shorten you, you shorten that cartridge and you fatten that cartridge and that, that, that bullet is that much faster. Did you know I never could get that bullet to hit consistently? 
it was moving out. Now, granted, I, I had a, a small grain. I had some, some reloads and was trying to make it as fast. 3,800 feet per second, 4,000 feet per second. I mean, it's smoking. But let me just say this. There's a ballistic coefficient that must be measured in order to know the weight and speed which expresses that coefficient. In other words, the stability of that bullet. Joshua, you can talk to Joshua about that. He knows far more than I do. But I know this, I never could get that gun to hit. And I was so excited when I got it. And it was such a cool, cool, but it was moving too fast. It was, it was, the pace was getting faster. It was unsustainable. It was far more volatile than what it was supposed to be. Everything looked right. Everything looked good. It's a beautiful gun. Just didn't shoot good. So I sold it to Jim Bayless. And Jim's not here this morning. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> that thing can't shoot to save us. Anyway, why do I bring that up? I bring it up because committed people will be consistent people, and they're going to have a pace with their Lord, and they're going to hear their Lord. Committed people are consistent people. Consistency is the key to stability. Consistency in your life, men, with Jesus is the key to stability. If you're unstable today, you may be going too fast. Your coefficient is off. And, and it's time to slow down, and it's time to pace yourself with Jesus and hear his voice for you in your life. People who are consistent are usually trustworthy. They are committed, and you know this, you can count on them. They are servants. They are givers. They see the need, they feel the need, and they're looking for the next need because they're men of vision. They're connected to the things that are important to them. You see, be careful because Satan has a strategy too, and he wants things to go faster, to speed up, to make you more unstable, a little more volatile. But we are men of God, and we're called to be connected to Christ upward, inward, and outward. So men today, remember, those who persevere are those who are, the most, who are the most committed. They learn to pace themselves. They know that God has called them to this place for this purpose, for this season. And in this season, they're looking to make a difference because of their commitment. They understand the importance of the next generation and what we leave to them and where they might go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So men, stay connected, stay committed, stay concerned. And know that the story is continually being written through us. Father God, thank you for these, your men, as we go through our questions this morning. Continue to raise us up and send us forth in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.